So what does it mean to say that God is faithful? I remember this song is very meaningful to me <laughs> because uh, I was 21 years old when my mother passed away at the age of 41 or so. And I remember walking on the street of Lagos and saying, oh, the future is dead. Or there's no future. And I was, you know, walking, thinking, how are we going to do this with seven children? And you are the oldest boy and all of that. And then the Lord used this song to minister to me that is faithful. Strength for today, bright hope for tomorrow. Because God remains faithful, I could keep going on because he watches over his words to fulfill it. So this song is, it has uh, some meaning to me, you know, as I meditated on it. I tend to be good with at least, I mean, I'm talking to you musicians, if you can take God's word, put them into music, I tend to remember them better. They tend to minister to me sometimes in my lonely states as I walk around. So this was one of those songs that they got used, God used. Now what does it mean for God to be faithful? Now faithfulness, I'd like you to notice, always has the element of truth. Faithfulness and being truthful. It's an idea that when God says something, he follows through. He doesn't, you know, like sometimes, for example, you promise your wife that you will take her out for lunch tomorrow. Let's use that example. And that's a promise. You, are, you intend to keep the promise. But, you know, while at work you fell ill just the day before, and you couldn't take her to lunch the next day. So even though you promise that you will do it, you don't have the ability to follow through on the following day. Or sometimes you said, oh, I am going to clean up the chapel. I'll be the one looking after the chairs, I will clean up. And so you do this for one year, two years, three years, four years, five years. And after a while, your mind tells you, am I the only one? I'm not the only one that comes to this chapel. Somebody else ought to do this. And so, even though you intend to do it, at some point you get tired. But God is not like that. God doesn't get tired. He doesn't get exhausted. He's not wearied. In fact, Isaiah tells us that he's not wearied and there's no searching of his understanding. So God can follow through on his words when we can't. So faithfulness has the idea of truth and following through. So let's read these scriptures. Oh Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you. I will praise your name. For you have done wonderful things. Your counsel of old are faithfulness and truth. Revelation 21.5 Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, write, for these words are true and faithful. 
And Revelation 22, 6 says, Then he said to me, These words are true, are faithful and true. So God's word are true. And God will follow through on his words because he's faithful. God's faithfulness with regard to the Lord Jesus Christ, the living word. I want you to notice. In Revelation chapter 1, verse 5, the Bible says the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then it keeps going, it says, and from Jesus Christ, notice the very first title that is given to him, the faithful witness. The idea is you can count on him. He will not change his mind. He will do what he says. The firstborn from the dead and the rulers over the kings of the earth to him who loved us. I like that phrase. And washed us from our sins in his own blood. And in Revelation 3 verse 14, we are given, he's given this title again. And to the angels of the church of the Laodiceans write, these things say the amen. And it's called the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. And Revelation 19, verse 11. We know that there will be judgment. This is what it says. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called, who? Faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. So faithfulness has the idea of truth. Faithful and true. God has to be faithful because God is truth. If God ceases to be faithful, he ceases to be truth and truthful. That's why the Balaam prophet had an idea. God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should change his mind. Jesus said these words, which we can take to the bank. And it's repeated three times. The same words is in red. If you have the Bible, that is Jesus' word in red. It says this. Heaven and earth will pass away. But my words will by no means pass away. In other words, I will follow through on my words. And so when he says something like, I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, I will receive you to myself. That is certain, and it's going to happen. So he repeats this heaven and earth thing in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The same phrase, three times, just so that you don't miss it. His words, he will follow through. So God keeps his promise. God's faithfulness means this. It means that there is provision and assurance of our salvation. Secondly, provision for forgiveness of sins, provision for our victory over the world, the flesh, and Satan, and that God will fulfill all of his promises. Now, I can't cover this because I understand from those who study scripture that there are over 5,000 promises in the word of God. Some are conditional, some are not, 
Some are for Sarah, so don't claim Sarah's promise. But there are so many that are for you. And so my challenge for you next time will be, how much of God's promise are you using to have victory? That's why we can't cover all of this, so, but we can cover just two. Provision of salvation. So God is faithful to save all who believe in Jesus Christ. This is the point. He is faithful. If you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are guaranteed salvation. If the Lord doesn't save you, then he becomes a liar, and God will not lie. We read, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And Jesus said these things, these words, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. If you believe in him and you perish, God becomes a liar. And so he's faithful to his word. If you believe, you are guaranteed eternal life. And in art it says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So, I mean, there are believers that believe today and tomorrow they are not sure if they are saved. Okay, and then they become short uh, maybe the day after and then the following day they are not sure because of their circumstance. And so they are always vacillating from one state to the other. Now, be guaranteed that there is assurance that comes. Let's read these scriptures together. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 2 9, we read, Eagerly waiting for a revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will also confirm you to, be, to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ. And then we read, in First Thessalonians, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, he who calls you is faithful, who also will do it. He called you and he will preserve you. So you are guaranteed salvation once you believe. Because the Lord himself will keep you. And I like this scripture very much. I don't know your circumstance, but read with me. It says, and we know. What do we know? And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are the called according to his purpose. I stopped there for a minute. It doesn't say that all things are good. But it says they work together for good. It doesn't say all things are good, but it says they work together for good. For whom? For those who love God. It says, For whom he foreknew. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now what I want you to look at here is how the Lord sees believers. And I've highlighted certain words there 
that are in past tense. Talking about believers. It says, moreover, whom he predestined, those he also called. Whom he called, those he also justified. And whom he justified, this he also glorified. I don't know if you notice that my English is not very good. In fact, when I was in high school, my worst mark was in English. It, it doesn't mean I failed. It just means that it was my worst mark. So don't get an idea that I didn't do well. I did well, but it was just my worst compared to others. All right? But I notice that all of these things that he's talking about for believers, they're all in the past tense. And this is reality as God sees them. Whom he called, he also justified. Past tense. Not he will justify. And whom he justified, he also glorified. So you have already been glorified if you are a child of God. You are guaranteed salvation. And so we can say with confidence that God will deliver you from the consequence, the power, and the presence of sin. Once you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you don't need to think about your salvation anymore. You need to live for the Lord with vigor and with strength. So God is faithful. He will follow through on his word. He's also faithful to forgive when we mess up. Because sometimes we do. He says in 1 John 1, 8-7, If we say that we have no sin... We deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, that's the condition. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. And just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God will save those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He will take them to heaven. And he will forgive those who confess their sins as believers. If he doesn't do that, he becomes a liar. He becomes a liar. And God doesn't lie. So then, how do I wrap up? Because I want to. How then should we live as believers? He says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope. Without wavering, for he who promised is what? Faithful. So hang in there as a believer, don't give up because he is faithful. And I want to challenge you with the next verse that says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. So you have a mandate as a child of God. To think about how you can encourage other believers to walk with the Lord. I wrap up with a story. And then we go back to sing my song one more time. Hopefully you will take it home with you. Now my story is a true story. It's not uh, something I made up or fiction. It happened. The name of this guy is Roger Sims. A hitchhiking guy. He was on his way home. And the date was May 7th. He had a heavy suitcase. 
He was tired. He was anxious to get home. He had been in the military and he was being discharged. So he was glad to be on his way home. So as a hitchhiker, as they do, when they carry that bag, and then they do like that, sometimes we look at them and then say, I'm not sure about that. So he did this. And then as he did that, I want to make sure I capture the story. Well, that's why I'm coming behind. Otherwise, I'll be there, you know, moving up and down. <laughs> as he did that, flashing his hand, he saw a car, a black, sleek, new Cadillac pulled by. He wasn't sure anybody was going to pull by. So, so he surprised the car stopped. And the passenger opened the door. He ran towards the car. He tossed his suitcase in the back and thanked the handsome, well-dressed man as he slid into the front seat and they began to talk. He says, going home for keeps. That's what he told the man. Well, he says, you'll be in luck if you're going to Chicago because I'm going to Chicago. He said, no, not that far, just very close. He says, I have a business there. My name is Hanover. That's the driver. The driver said, I have a business and my name is Hanover. And of course, when you do hitchhiking and you're in the car, you know, you have all kinds of small talk. How's your family? How's your wife? How's your children? What do you do? And all of those, you know, depending on how good you are at it. So they were on it and talking. Meanwhile, Roger is a Christian and he's thinking, I need to share the message of salvation with this man. But he's looking at the executive in suits and is wondering, is afraid to, you know, to share the message of salvation with, you know, uh, the man. At some point he sees it's only 30 minutes away from where he has to get off, so he summoned up courage and then began to share the message of salvation with this man. Let's see what he said, so just to be sure that I'm reading it. Well, he explained to him, he said, I, I talked to him about something very important. And I, you know, explained salvation, ultimately asking Mr. Hanover whether he would like to receive Jesus as his savior. So to Roger's astonishment, Mr. Hanover signaled, or just signaled, and then pulled off to the side of the road. So Roger thought he was about to throw him out of the car and then, you know, send him, you know, keep going. But the man said, yes, I would like to receive Jesus as my savior. So the businessman bowed, he said, and received Christ. Then he thanked Roger. He says, this is the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. And that was, they met. He dropped off Roger. They parted ways. Five years later. Roger, at this time, was married with a two-year-old son and had his own business. And was about to go to Chicago. Then he looked inside his suit and then saw the business card that was given to him by Mr. Hanover. So he said, I will check him out when I get to Chicago. So in Chicago, he got to the Hanover Enterprise and a receptionist told him it was impossible to see Mr. Hanover. But he could see Mrs. Hanover. A little confused as to what was going on, he was ushered into a lovely office and found himself facing a keen-eyed woman in her 50s. She extended her hand. He said, you, know, you knew my husband? He said, yes. So Roger told her, told her how her husband had given him a ride when hitchhiking home 
after discharge from the army. Can you tell me what, what day it was? It says May 7, five years ago, the day I was discharged from the army. Anything special about that day? Well, Roger was about to tell her that her husband became a Christian. He stated, but he went on and said, mention well. I might as well say it. I explained the gospel. He pulled over to the side of the road and wept against the steering wheel. He gave his life to Christ that day. Explosive sobs shook her body. Getting a grip of herself, she sobbed. She said these words. Had prayed for my husband's salvation for years. I believe God would save him. And said, Rogers, where is your husband, Mrs. Hanover? She answered, he's dead. She wept, struggling with words. He said he was in a car crash after he let you out of the car. He never got home. You see, notice what she said. I thought God had not kept his promise. Sobbing uncontrollably, she added, I stopped living for God five years ago because I thought he had not kept his words. She prayed for her husband. She was hoping he would become a believer. She never saw him make the confession of faith. And he died. And she assumed that God is unfaithful. As a result of that, she abandoned the faith. For five years, I will have nothing to do with this God. I'm sure you've met many believers like that that have abandoned God because they believe God doesn't keep his word. God's faithfulness is true. And sometimes it's beyond what we can explain or what we can see. If Mr. Roger had not showed up, she would assume that her husband was in hell because God had not kept his word. But God was faithful. No wonder Timothy says, if we remain faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot lie and he cannot change his mind. Friends, I want you to know that God is faithful and he's faithful to his words. We don't have time to sing, so we just pray. Shall we pray? Thank you, Lord, for your word. Help us to trust you in spite of our circumstances, knowing that you watch over your words to fulfill it. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Thank you.